Hey, Merry Christmas. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. We're so glad that we have this time together. And at Christmas at Live Church, I just shared this message based on a very funny clip that I once saw a movie that I remembered and I thought about this where people were sitting around a table and they were saying grace and they were praying. And one particular guy, he said, I like baby Jesus. And he prayed to baby Jesus. And, and it made me think in my mind, right, okay, many people are living today and they think that baby Jesus is still a baby. He's still in a manger. Where the truth is, Jesus is resurrected, risen, and ascended, and seated at the right hand of God. And I don't know what your perception of Jesus is, but I want to talk about it today over these next 30 minutes. And I really hope you stay with us because I think it's going to help you understand how much God cares about you. And the fact is, He has the power to change your life. Come on, let's get started. And I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, but I wanted to preface that with that understanding that as a church, I'm so glad that baby Jesus has grown up. And I realize so many of us start a reference point with that story, the nativity story. It might be something you see in a primary school, and that's your reference for Jesus. And that was my reference for many years of Jesus, just being that little baby. I didn't know Jesus beyond that. And I'm going to look at Luke chapter 2, which is sort of the traditional Christmas story, and pause in different places today to make the point that I want to bring today. So I'm reading Luke chapter 2. The words are on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, if you do, you can turn to that now on your iPhone or your Bible or whatever you use to read the Word of God. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place when Quranus was governor of Syria and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house and line of David, he went there with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for him at the end. That's the traditional baby story that we think of when we think of Jesus being born. What I want to highlight is this in four different ways this morning. I want to highlight that Jesus defied all the odds because Jesus was born in a way that was so ordinary, so unexpectedly ordinary, so average that if you're not careful, you'll just miss the whole message of who Jesus was. First, Jesus wasn't born in a major city. He wasn't born in a significant location or place. He was born in a place called Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a small town. It was a small city. It actually means house of bread. That's what Bethlehem means. And you would think, wouldn't you, that, that, if, that if Jesus, who is God made flesh, was going to come and announce his plan to the universe, you ask yourself the question, why would he be associated with such a simple substance as bread? He could have been born in Jerusalem. He could have been born in Rome. You know, when this passage happened, Rome was at the pinnacle of its empire. It dominated more space than at any other point in history. And yet here's Jesus born in a backwater place 
called Bethlehem. And, and you know, I'm going to draw these principles out in four different ways this morning because Jesus was born in an ordinary place. Very ordinary. And, and the thing is, God chooses to be born in an ordinary place, in an ordinary way, I think, so that people like you and I can understand who God is. He's not born in a, you know, major impact urban area. He's born off the grid, sort of like out of the way in this place called Bethlehem. And I think that proves the fact that, that you might live in a place that may be a little obscure or maybe a little bit out of the way or a little bit unrecognizable, and yet God sees you. He sees where you live. He cares about where you live. He cares about you. Whatever you're going through, God thinks about you something that's so different and so out of the box that we can't call the way God thinks about you ordinary. You might think of yourself as ordinary, but God doesn't think of you as being ordinary. And newsflash, neither do we as Life Church. We don't think you are ordinary. We might be ordinary, but it's not our naturalness that qualifies us to understand who God is. God brought Jesus to Bethlehem in a practical way first so that as many people as possible could understand God as ordinary. Now, now putting it that way means that it just changes our perspective firstly on who God is. And secondly, for God to be born as Jesus in a manger, I'm like, what? He could have been born in a palace. He could have been born in a location that would be extraordinary. It would be full of opulence and, 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 and a little bit removed from society. Like you couldn't get there. But, but he was born in a manger in, in a place where you and I would be mortified if our children were put in a manger. We'd be horrified the thought of our, of our, our little baby being put in a manger. But God doesn't think like we think. God put his son, God made flesh in a manger to prove the fact that Jesus was for everybody. Jesus is for every single person. This is a gospel message today. This is a good news message today. And I think our world is in a, is in a time where we need to understand the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and by God putting Jesus in a, in a manger, that just continues to blow my mind to think the fact that that God eternal, God omnipotent, the God, this, this amazing God that we can't even wrap our minds around, who was, who was, who was lives outside time, who is all powerful, and he chooses the most humble beginning of ordinary. I look at that and I want to say to you this morning, church, don't despise the humble beginning of ordinary. You might feel very ordinary this morning, waking up on a Sunday, piling out, driving into church. Oh, but you are anything but ordinary. You are so extraordinary that God sent his son for you. That is extraordinary. I didn't understand that. I thought, you know, Jesus in a manger 
No, that was just his beginning so that we could identify with his humanity. That was the starting point that we could get on board with who Jesus is. But of course, Jesus grows up from that perspective. But, but let's first identify with Jesus as a human being. Jesus as ordinary. All of us, from wherever we, wherever we track, whatever walk of life we're on, let's identify with Jesus the man. Jesus the suffering servant. Jesus who came for you and I. Let's identify at that beginning, at that starting point, and then see Jesus as he grows up. Let's make that starting point. And so in these two ways, Jesus being born in Bethlehem and Jesus being born in a manger, you see God in his sovereignty determining this fact of, of where he was. Now, the Old Testament teaches us that, that it was predetermined that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. 700 years before Jesus was born, it was predetermined. The book of Micah, you can read it later. It, 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 it proved that Jesus was going to be born at Bethlehem. And yet, so many people overlooked Jesus. They missed him because they had a mindset that, that God had to come with some big fanfare and some big announcement. And, you know, life is not like that. Jesus is real and he's alive. And yet, so many people are still waiting for Jesus to arrive. Yesterday, I was so proud of Life Church. I was so proud of ordinary people in our church partnering and doing so many extraordinary acts just through being natural, just through being who they were. I mean, it was just such a joy to be at Life City. I got to go to Life City yesterday and, and see all the food come out. And it was all coming out and you know, it was just a, a really cool experience. And they asked me to pray. So I said, sure, I'll pray. They wanted me to pray grace. I said, look about Jesus. And then I began to pray. And one person got so excited about me praying. And then another person said, Steve, can you shut that up? <laughs> and then at that moment, this ordinary prayer, some, another person who barely is barely, barely knows who Jesus is, jumped up and said, we're in church. Don't shut the pastor up. And he got his fists up. I thought, this is awesome. You know, and in, the, and in the ordinary part of just bringing Jesus into people's everyday ordinary world, it was normal for that person who hadn't heard Jesus to, to just interrupt whatever he didn't like. And it was also normal for somebody else to say, I love Jesus. I'm going to punch you. And that ordinary normal, in that ordinary normal environment was the supernatural extraordinary unfolding before our eyes. And there was a moment in the cacophony of all that was going on and there was a lady who hadn't slept for a long period of time and was full of stress and full of pressure and was used on a regular basis to be, to be looked at and to be ostracized. And at that moment she was struggling and and one of the workers that was there, one of the volunteers that was there, she grabbed the hold of this lady and began to pray. And I was able to pray. And in an ordinary prayer, an extraordinary thing happened. Her fear, her mental pressure, her anxiety, you could see it leave her. As we told her, you can relax. This is the family of God that you're a part of. Tears came to her face, not tears of pressure, tears of joy, and a smile came to her face. And then she sat down and she had a turkey dinner with some people from Life Church. It was an ordinary 
moment on an ordinary day with food that somehow became an extraordinary moment. Don't you tell me that we can't bring an extraordinary God to a world that needs Jesus. I feel so ordinary. Do you feel ordinary? Well, you have to understand the message of Jesus in you is what is extraordinary. That's the power. That's what's extraordinary. When you make that dynamic, you find a courage and you find a boldness. And yet here's this, this great story of Luke chapter 2 that unfolds, and you're going to hear about it. You're going to see it. You're going to see it in the TV on a Saturday night. You're going to drive around and see baby Jesus in a manger. And I want to ask you, what is your perception of Jesus? Do you see Jesus as being somebody that's far away from you? Or do you see Jesus as somebody that wants to live inside your life, live inside your heart, give you a plan, and give you a purpose? Because for a long time, I didn't understand that. But when I keep going and I keep sharing these principles, you're going to understand more about what it means to be ordinary. I mean, Jesus, here he is, born in a manger, and this is what God does. God sends an angel, verse 8 of Luke chapter 2, and the, and the angel of the Lord, he appeared to shepherds and says, I bring you good news of great joy. I'm like, wait a minute, stop the traffic. Here we go. The angels are showing up and they're singing, but they're going to the shepherds. Shepherds are just, you know, they're the ostracized. They're the people outside. They're the people outside the room. And, and, and the shepherds, the shepherds are like, they're like, what is going on? This, this, this story, this story that great, you know, that, that, that Jesus is there. Um, you know, this is just blowing my mind. You would think that Jesus would show up to the Roman military. Or he would show up to the governors or the kings, but he doesn't. He chooses who he wants to choose. And I wanted to let you know that you might feel very unqualified here to be here today, but God has chosen you. God has chosen every single one of you, even when you don't understand him, even when you walk out of an auditorium like this, even when you walk out and you don't understand God's great love, God loves every single one of you. Even when you don't understand it yet, it hasn't sunk in yet, it will. It eventually will because God's great love has a power like you never imagined it to have in your life. And these shepherds, they were so shocked, ordinary shepherds, just ordinary people, and yet they were witnesses of Christ's birth. If you feel ordinary this morning, you are about to be a witness of what God is going to do in the rest of your life. Incredible things, extraordinary things, hopeful things. It doesn't matter if you feel ordinary. What matters is that you understand God as extraordinary. And then this next thing that God does is, is God chooses to put Jesus in a home with a carpenter? I mean, that's the trade skill, being a carpenter just every day, just, you know, growing up in an environment where dad comes home and he's pounding things and hammering things, and, and that's what he does. I'm like, surely God would have a more magnificent plan than that. Surely he would make him be a part of some kind of reigning and ruling power, some kind of centurion or some kind of place. No, God chooses exactly where we live and what we do and he wants to partner with each and every one of us and yet we live in West Yorkshire where so many people feel average and ordinary I would dare even say so many people even feel less than feel less than or overlooked and and I wanted to say this morning that God loves to choose people just like you and I who feel overlooked 
who feel neglected, who feel like other people maybe have passed us by, and then he gets a hold of your life, and he does the incredible, the fantastic, and the miraculous. So, so that's my Christmas message done. Do you feel ordinary? Do you feel like, I'm just normal? Uh, can God really use me? Question mark. I don't really know why I'm here in 2015, in the back end of 2015. Then you're in the right place. You're in the right church. You're in the right exact spot for where God wants you. That humility, that fact that like, okay, I may not have it all together. That honesty, that authenticity, because God can work with that. God can work with authenticity. God works with normal. That's how God flows. And when you get that understanding in your life and you're just who God made you to be, you're not trying to be somebody that's impressing other people. You're just being honest about what you're feeling. You're just being honest about what you're thinking. When you deal with that honesty, when you deal with that understanding of who God is, then everything begins to change. Why did God choose ordinary? I'm going to give you three quick principles and then I'm done. First, God chose ordinary, these ordinary things, because he wants everybody to understand who he is. Simple. So simple. God didn't choose the exceptional. He wanted to choose ordinary substances so that you and I could relate to who he is. And when you get that understanding inside of you, then everything else changes. Secondly, God chose ordinary because he wanted everyone to be accessible to him. He wanted everybody to have access to him. He wanted everybody to be able to relate to him. He didn't want anyone else to have to not be in this place where they couldn't relate. He could have chose that, that Jesus would be born to a Jewish high priest. The Jewish high priests at the time, they were like, they were like people who were, were really uh, separate. They could only go into the holy place, the most holy place once a year. They could get into the presence of God. You know, Jesus couldn't be born there, but he didn't do that. Because he wants everybody to have access to Jesus. And that access to Jesus is what we offer today. Maybe you're here today and you're not used to meetings like this. You're not used to being around God like this. You're not used to seeing people honored like you saw in the Christmas kiss or even being in a place where people actually believe Jesus is real. Well, we're doing that today so that you can understand who Jesus is. We don't wear robes. We don't wear different garments. We just wear street clothes. You know, we don't have an organ anymore in church. We bring a rock band into church. We're talking about real concepts and real terms. Why? Because we want everybody to have access to who Jesus is. And then finally, my third point is this, is that, is that ordinary means that natural can be accepted. Natural can be accepted. When you understand something is natural, it's easy to accept it, and it's easy to understand, and it's easy to have access and I think for so long, we've made Christianity so complex and so difficult to understand. And what we saw yesterday through the Love Your Neighbor campaign through the church was taking Jesus and making him normal and making him accessible. And so many people who were out, they were like, I didn't know I could do this. I didn't know I could actually go out and knock on a door and share my faith or just turn up and sing in a retirement home and do the different things that we did yesterday. And when I sat down and thought about what we did yesterday as a church, I thought about our future. Can we build a church? Can we build a church? Not just from a few people on a platform. 
Not just a few people that are musicians and singers, or just a few people that are pastoring behind the scenes. Question mark. Can we build a church where ordinary people understand they have an extraordinary purpose and an extraordinary plan? Can we build that kind of church? Can we build that kind of church when people think I'm ordinary and they remember their past mistakes? And though we remember our past mistakes, can we remember we have an extraordinary Jesus who was born in a manger and yet now has gone to heaven. He's resurrected and ascended. And now we can be qualified, not because of our feelings, not because of our intellect, but because of the grace of Jesus Christ and the power of his forgiveness. That is extraordinary. Can we build that kind of church? Can we build that kind of church where we don't even have to organize a Love Your Neighbor campaign on a Saturday, but we just love our neighbor on a Monday? Can we build that kind of church? That on a Monday, we love Allerton. On a Tuesday, we love Ravenscliff and the inner city and the, the financial districts. Can we build that kind of church? I believe we can. And I believe God is putting an ask on you. You might be here for the first time and you barely don't even know who Jesus is or you know about Jesus. You know about him being in a manger, but you don't know that he not only loves you, he died for you and he's resurrected and he wants to come and live inside your heart. I mean, that's a huge progression in thinking to go from Jesus in a manger to Jesus resurrected to Jesus loving me to Jesus coming inside my life. And we just go so quick through those steps because some of us have been in church a long time and we forget. We forget that. I remember last year somebody came into one of our meetings and this woman that came in, she had never heard the name of Jesus before. Never even heard the name of Jesus. And I think about that and I think, we have so much that we need to do, so much more work that we need to put in church, so much that we need to involve with and, and, and help with. And, and one of the barriers that we have is not understanding who Jesus is. And so God chose to put Jesus in a manger in a place called Bethlehem. That means house of bread. Now, John chapter 6, of course, if we move the story forward, Jesus grew up. And what does he say? Jesus says this. He says, I am the bread of life. Anyone who eats of me or drinks of me that will no longer be hungry and no longer be thirsty. Okay, that's just a game changer. That God chose Jesus in a place called bread, an everyday common substance. Does anybody like bread? Good old carbohydrates in this place like me. Get some bread and oil. I mean, I understand bread. I love bread. I love, I could just live off bread. And it's like Jesus being associated with a common substance as bread. And then him saying, I am the bread of life. I believe there are people here today. And you know about Jesus. You've been in the neighborhood of God. You've been around God. But somebody knocked on your door or somebody shared Jesus with you and began to talk to you about who he is. And you're like, could this be real? Could this really be what I'm searching for? Could this fill my appetite, my loneliness, my spiritual hunger? Could this help me understand my purpose? Yes, 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 it can. Jesus is the bread of life. And when I was 19 years old, I didn't understand anything about Jesus. Like I said, I thought he was the baby in a manger. And, and yet, when I got to a place where I like, Jesus, are you real? Jesus, are you there? Jesus came and he forgave my mistakes, forgave my shortcomings, and gave me a purpose. And then I began to pray for people around me. And I began to pray. The first one of my family became a Christian. And, and I've told this story before, but I want to say this. 
that my own father who told me, Steve, he goes, you've lost your mind. You, you're going crazy. This Jesus thing, what is this Jesus thing? And in a very ordinary way, I said, Dad, Jesus has changed my life. Jesus changed my life. And my father couldn't understand that. He couldn't understand the terms. And he'd had a long history, a long history of not understanding and, and not having access to God. And then finally, 30 years later, after praying for my dad to become a Christian, dad visited us, moved here from America, lived with us for two weeks. And at the end of that two-week period, this is what happened. He put his hand up and he made a decision. He didn't, he didn't respond in a feeling moment. He made a decision because, because he knew about Jesus. But he decided, okay, I'm not just believing in Jesus in the manger anymore. I'm making a conscious decision because I believe that Jesus died for me. And he invited Jesus in his heart. And this was such an amazing moment. After praying for 30 years for somebody that you really love, really care about, knowing that there is a heaven and there is a hell, and knowing that his life hangs in the balance. Hey, I'm just being real this morning, church. We live in a reality, and I'm not embarrassed to talk about that. The Bible says that we should never be ashamed about the good news of Jesus. And my dad had seen the good news. He seen, he seen me have a happy marriage. I mean, come on, that is a miracle in the 21st century. He'd seen us have two children, and the doctor said we'd never have children, and he'd seen that process. He'd seen me get healed of cancer, and, I, and, and, and he saw all that. He saw my joy and my purpose, and, and then he came and he was just shocked and overwhelmed by it all. But that day, he made a decision, not based on his feelings, but based on the fact of who Jesus is. Jesus is not in a manger anymore. Baby Jesus, newsflash, has grown up. Somebody needs to know that. He's not a baby. You're not praying to baby Jesus or bearded Jesus or teenage Jesus or whoever you think about Jesus. When you ask Jesus in your heart, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He has the power to change your life. That's the Jesus that lives inside and he is not trying to offer you just a slightly better life. He's not trying to give you a new and improved version of you. No, that day when my father raised his hand, he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Put one hand on his heart. Put the other hand in the air. Church, I want to tell you, if that's the only person that ever came to know Jesus, my whole experience of Christianity is worth it. Because the alternative is that my father would never have he couldn't have access to heaven. He was a good man. But you can't be good enough to earn your way into heaven. If you make one mistake, you'll never get your way into heaven. The Bible teaches that. Great that you try to be a good person. That's good. But it's not perfect. And God's standard is perfection. That's why Jesus had to come and he had to die because he was a perfect example of a human being who never sinned and yet he was crucified. And so he accepted that pain and that suffering for me, for you, for us, for our city, for our nation, for the world. We don't deserve this grace. We don't deserve Jesus to forgive us, but he loves us completely. And he's not judging you today. And just like my father put his hand up and he said, I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. That moment changed the course of my family. That moment changed the course of my children. 
because a man put his hand up for Jesus. He wasn't forced to do it. He wasn't talked into it. Believe me, I tried to talk my dad into this over 30 years. He decided Jesus is real. What you saw yesterday, if you came because you're here today because somebody came to your door and said, we're going to pay your gas and electrics. That doesn't just happen. That's not just generosity. That's because Jesus loves you. It's not an accident. It's not an accident that people are showing you kindness and love and hope. No, that is the power of Jesus Christ. Joy to the world. Sorry about the singing. But we want to say to you guys a very, very Merry Christmas from us and from our house. We pray that it's full of peace and joy and you have the best 2015 Christmas you have ever had. Yeah, we want you to know that we love you and we're so thankful for the part you play in our church or support of our ministry and we just send love from our house to yours. Have a fantastic Christmas. We pray that there are so many memories that are made that we'll just seal this year with a kiss from heaven itself. Have a great Christmas, everyone. Love you. and he brings freedom, freedom to the sinner. And that's why you can walk from this place free. (laughs) 